Welcome to It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland. Featuring stimulating in-depth interviews with special guests from all areas of the arts. And now, here's your host for It's a Question of Balance, Ruth Copland. Welcome to the show where we balance the intellectual with the creative, exploring whether we have more in common than divides us through thought-provoking conversations. For the topic hour, I go out and about and talk to people on the street about a wide variety of different subjects that affect everybody, both locally and globally. And for this The Arts Hour, I interview local, national and international guests from all areas of the arts. The show combines a debate topic with an arts interview because I feel discussion and creativity are two of the most vital ways we engage with the world. This week, my special guest from the arts is actor, writer and director Emilio Estevez. Emilio has established himself not only as an accomplished actor, but also as a talented writer, director and producer. In 2006, he wrote, directed and co-starred in the Golden Globe nominated for Best Picture and SAG Ensemble nominee Bobby, which revisits the night Robert F. Kennedy was assassinated at the Ambassador Hotel in 1968 and is set against the backdrop of the cultural issues gripping the country at the time, including racism, sexual inequality and class differences. Emilio made his acting debut in Tim Hunter's Tex and appeared in Francis Ford Coppola's ensemble drama The Outsiders, both based on S.E. Hinton novels. Emilio's performance as a quintessential high school jock in John Hughes' The Breakfast Club won him widespread attention and acclaim. Later that same year, he went on to appear in St Elmo's Fire before starring in That Was Then, This Is Now, for which he also wrote the screenplay. In 1996, Emilio directed his father, Martin Sheen, for the first time in the Vietnam drama The War at Home, which Emilio also starred in and produced. Other film credits include Repo Man, Mission Impossible and the stakeout Young Guns and Mighty Ducks franchise movies. Emilio's new film is called The Public and marks Emilio's fourth invitation to the prestigious Toronto International Film Festival having previously been invited with his films The War at Home, Bobby and The Way. If you want to see Emilio's new film, The Public, you can catch one of the screenings at the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival in San Jose, California on March 9th and 10th. Otherwise, look out for The Public in cinemas from April 5th. Welcome to the show, Emilio. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You've spent your whole adult life embedded in the arts. I'm wondering if you can remember the first time that art of any kind had a deep effect on you, whether it was a book or a picture, music, film or, or some other kind of art. When you realised art has the power to affect us on a deep level rather than just entertain us? Well, I remember uh, being a boy in New York City. You know, we were, we were, I was born in New York mm. in 1962. Uh, along with my other siblings, you know, we a lot of people think we're a we're a California family, but in fact, my parents are from Ohio, my mother from Cincy, my dad from Dayton. Mm. They met in New York. My father obviously pursuing a a life in the theater as an actor, and my mother was uh, got, had a scholarship to the New School as a mm. fine art painter. Mm. So they were introduced by a mutual friend, and then uh, and then of course uh, married. They're still together, and um, and after fifty eight years, I believe. Wow, uh, and um, and so 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 uh, I was born in New York City, and I had the privilege to uh, spend some time backstage at the Public Theater, which of course was Joe Papp's uh, a theater in in in, uh, in in New York in mm-hmm. Manhattan, and 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 be backstage for some pretty radical productions. One of which was. A, a production of what was called the Naked Hamlet, which was a rock and roll version of Hamlet, hmm. and uh, some of the writers and, and lyricists from Hair had written this. Uh, the Broadway musical Hair had written this this version of of, of Hamlet, hmm. and I remember being backstage and seeing my father play Hamlet in this. And in, in certainly, was not the traditional Hamlet that that you and I and most people know. Hmm. Uh, it, it was uh, there was singing and there was dancing and 
to be or not to be was was uh, was delivered from uh, way up in the uh, in, in, on a catwalk. Uh, there's a speech in the in in, in Hamlet where uh, Hamlet is, is addressing the actors and he says, "You're a welcome, actors, welcome all." And my my father. Uh, delivered the speech, handing out balloons to the audience dressed as dressed <laughs> some odd costume. And I remember this is completely outrageous. This is this left an, an indelible uh, mark on on me. And I thought, wow, this is uh, this is outrageous and 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 something that uh, I'm, I'm certainly fascinated with. Uh, I was fortunate enough throughout the years to be. Included in a, in a lot of the behind the scenes, uh, mm. my parents insisted that we stay together as a family, and so as a result, we we moved from New York uh, to Mexico, where he was cast in a film called Catch Twenty Two, and at that point, my parents decided they weren't going to go back to New York. We were in fact going to go to California and try to make a make a go of it, mm. uh, film and TV business, mm. and so. But but there I was at six years old on on the set of Catch Twenty Two and watching mm. Mike Nichols direct and you know sitting at a table opposite Art Garfunkel and Alan Arkin and 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 so on and mm. and you know all, over the years uh, I was again privileged enough as crazy as it was but to spend six months in in the Philippines during Apocalypse Now. Uh, Three months in 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 Rome during the, the filming of a, of a very terrible movie called The Cassandra Crossing, mm. but the uh, but but it was an ensemble cast that included Burt Lancaster and Sophie Loren and Ava Gardner, uh, and uh, uh, so so I was um, I got a glimpse of of uh, up up close and personal mm. of of, uh, of 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 the of an artist's life. Yeah, not only through. Through my father's work, but but also uh, watching my mother uh, paint, and then of course put her her fine art work on hold to to raise a family. Yeah, that's interesting that's because the you... answer to that question. I'm sorry. But... No, no. I mean, it's interesting because you, as you're saying, you you got to see kind of the mechanics in a way of, of how art is made, which not many people get to do you know they they get um to interface with the finished product so from right. a young age you you were seeing how that finished art uh comes into being so it was a very unique experience yeah indeed and we were a lot like the jodes in uh, grapes of wrath we just sort of loaded up in the in the station wagon and <laughs> and and, uh, and we went to where the work was i mean my father was indeed a, uh, in the true sense of the word a journeyman actor mm. And I remember, you know, growing up in the back of a country squire station wagon, uh, traveling whether it was to West Virginia or, or Wyoming or Colorado, anywhere where we could drive, we, we did. Yeah. And traveled as a group, traveled as a family unit. Hmm. I was going to ask you what attracted you to working in, in film. And I mean, obviously you were like in it from a very young age from what you're saying, but I, I'm thinking, you know, could have could have gone either way with that, you know, could have sort of put you off for whatever reason or it could have drawn you more into it I mean what do you think actually inspired you to take that path yourself as well well I've always been interested in in in, in the arts in in writing uh in in making films um at a, at a very young age uh, my parents purchased a eight millimeter camera I think I was 10 years old at the time and I I commandeered it uh, and and uh, started making short films uh, on on eight millimeter uh, 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 c uh, cartridges. You'd, so you would literally have to learn how to cut in the camera because there weren't really that many editing uh, uh, opportunities to to uh, you know take the finished product and then go you know cut mm. film. So we had to create it in camera, and so I I, I was. Um, Obviously, you know, it was all of it was experimental and 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 derivative of of other films that were out, uh, right? And, and silly for the most part, but um, but I, you know, at ten years old, I put my head had put my hands on, on a camera at um, and and before that, I had um, I was interested in in creative writing. I I was, you know, certainly. Uh, uh, in no means did you know was I was I a, did I consider myself a writer? But mm. I, I, around that same time, I penned a, an idea for. There was a very popular show. 
that Rod Serling was the uh, was the host of called Night Gallery, and so I penned this uh, this what I uh, thought was a uh, a very clever idea for Night Gallery and sent it to Universal, and of course it was who produced the show at the time, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was re- it was sent back promptly with a rejection slip and. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, but no thanks. And we don't. Not only do we don't accept us, you know, unsolicited material, but uh, you know, better luck next time, kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wish I had saved it, but I didn't. Um, so, um, you know, and again, uh, over the years, uh, I had always had a keen interest in writing. Uh, I had a couple of terrific uh, creative writing teachers in junior high, and, and then of course in in high school. I had a terrific creating writing teacher who would start every day with, uh, "How is your consciousness today?" Oh my goodness! That, and and in, of course, in the beginning of the school year, everyone everyone in class burst out laughing. And then, you know, later in that week, uh, when she'd ask, it was a little less laughter. And certainly by the end of the first month, no one was laughing, and everyone was indeed checking in on themselves and yeah. and how their consciousness was that day. And she was very inspiring. And uh, and and has um, is has remained a fan yeah. of, of mine, and and uh, has reached out to me uh, in, in in the last few years to just say she's uh, she's very pleased with it uh, that that I that she did have an influence on me. Mm. I work. What a great question! I, I think every class, every in every school should begin with that question. I mean, that right. it's like. We just don't take the time to to check in with ourselves on that level at all. The way the world is no. going, yeah. Uh, so uh, again, you know, I, I well, I graduated from from high school. I was not interested in in going on to higher education. I I consider myself a bit of an autodact. Um, yeah, I, I, which you know, I know I missed out on a lot. I know I don't have a, a that formal education. Um, but I, you know, I jumped into the, into the working uh, life, uh, soon after, after high school. And, and so I, there are some regrets about not going on to university, but, um, on the other hand, I've, uh, you know, my, my life has been fil- filled with mm. wonderful, uh, opportunities and, and, uh, and experiences that, uh, that I may not have had, uh, and especially early days, I may mm. not have had, had I gone to, uh, on to university. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of the purpose of of university, especially with liberal arts, is to give you an education that you probably wouldn't seek out for yourself. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it on your own. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. You write, direct and act, which are all huge things in and of themselves. I'm wondering whether you feel they're all part of the same creative process to you or, or are there distinct aspects of each that inspire you to work in all three areas? Well, I, I heard a quote by Danny DeVito once where he said, directing is like death by a thousand questions. <laughs> and I would, I would agree. It's, uh, it, it is a, it, it involves, for the most part, it involves a ton of compromise on, on the original, you know, off mm. of the vision. It, it, um, but it also requires um, a, a lot of problem solving. Right. So that that part of it appeals to me. Uh, and when you're standing in the back of the theater and you had an instinct about something that you thought might work on set, and your actors were, you know, were in agreement, and you 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 put it on film, and everybody committed to the you know a, you know a, a central idea, mm. and there it is, and it plays to an audience, and the audience reacts in a way that you had hoped. Uh, there is really nothing more satisfying as an artist to see to see a joke or to see a moment land in a way that you had anticipated. Mm. It doesn't always go that way, of course. No. Just <laughs> why, for yeah. instance, on the public, we shot a, a total of a million feet of film, and and most films and in the two-hour range end up about a total of ten thousand feet. So, Gosh. so imagine how much yeah. goes on the cutting room floor. Um, and now with with uh, with with digital, mm. uh, 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 you know, filming, it's um, I'm, I'm sure that a million feet is probably on more more the average now. Yeah, it's more tempting, isn't it, to just right? do to more going, and more. Keep rolling, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copman, and my special guest from the arts this week, actor, director and writer, Emilio Estevez. We're going to go to a break now, but I'll be back with more conversation after these messages. Do you like the music from It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland? Have you ever wondered what the full songs sound like? Now you can find out by listening to the new EP, It's a Question of Balance Music, available from iTunes, Amazon, and it's a question of balance.com. It's a question of balance music. Download individual tracks or the whole EP from iTunes, Amazon, or it's a question of balance.com. Named Best Film Festival by USA Today readers, the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival returns to Silicon Valley March 5th through March 17th. Here's Cinequest co-founder Kathleen Powell talking on It's a Question of Balance. You know, Silicon Valley is such a unique place. It's where creativity and innovation come together to empower. And that's our vision with Cinequest. This is where it all happens. We want every individual that walks through the door to feel like the value that they got far exceeds what they ever put into it. Join attending Maverick Award winners, beloved British actor Bill Nighy, and multi-award-winning actor and director Nandita Das for over 132 world and U.S. premieres, virtual reality from 56 countries, and a range of fabulous celebrations, live performances, and creativity experiences. I'm interviewing Maverick Award winner, educator, and journalist Esther Wojcicki after she's presented with her award, so I hope you can join us as well as checking out the festival films. CineQuest is a wonderful opportunity to see what the world's film community is creating. As Neil Gaiman says, it's the perfect festival in a glorious place. For the complete lineup and festival passes and tickets, visit CineQuest.org. That's C-I-N-E-Q-U-E-S-T dot O-R-G. Welcome back. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copland, and my special guest from the arts, Emilio Estevez. Emilio, I'd like to play a clip from your film, The Public, which you wrote, directed and star in. It's going to be in cinemas from the 5th of April, and it's also being screened um, prior to that at the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival in San Jose on March 9th and 10th. So that's an opportunity for a few people to get a sneak peek of it. But uh, 5th of April is the date to hold in mind to be able to see the public um, nationally in theatres. The clip is from near the beginning of the film. It sets the scene for what follows and includes your character having to make an incredibly difficult decision. So... Uh, this is from uh, Emilio Estevez's film, The Public. Good evening. May I have your attention, please? The main library is now closed. Please exit the building. Once again, the main sure, library what's going on? Nobody's closed. leaving. Patrons are staging an action. What are they protesting? Freezing to death. Stuart, what the hell's going on, man? What are all these people still doing here? Remember how difficult it was to get Ike out of the library? Yeah, we should have left this stinky ass alone. We wouldn't be in all this trouble. Well, now we got a whole lot of Ikes in here don't want to go out in the cold. I don't blame him, man. I wouldn't either. What's it going to be, Mr. Goodson? Either one of us or you're one of them, right? Everybody, uh, rally up. Rally up. Ernesto, what's going on up on three? Everybody, listen up. The library has not been sanctioned. 
an official emergency shelter yet. But we believe it should be. Ernesto, you on this? Yeah, give me a sec. The hell do I tell him? You ever been arrested? No, have you? Unfortunately. Pepper sprayed? No. You have? Are we staying or are we going? Get out of here, Myra. If you're staying, I'm going to stay. The public is about downtown Cincinnati librarians Stuart and Myra who see their regular winter day shaken up when homeless patrons decide to take shelter in their library for the night. What starts as a peaceful sit-in quickly escalates into a face-off with the police and the media. Can you tell us a bit about the character that you play in the film? Sure. I play a, uh, a librarian who, uh, with, with a, um, who, who came to the vocation late in life. Mm. Uh, he has a, a, a bit of a checkered past. I won't reveal too much, no, because I, I I think there are some surprises that come along uh, through as the film unfolds. Definitely, about yeah. That character, which which informs why he uh, behaves in in the way that he does, and so, but he does have a bit of a checkered past, and uh, he 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 believes and 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 I think demonstrates it that that the library. Uh, in fact, was is responsible for saving his life. Mm. Books, in fact, saved his life. Literature saved his life, mm. and and steered him in the direction not only to uh, to 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 clean his life up, but also to to uh, 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 disappear in the in in, in 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 the stacks, as it were, and not only uh, become a librarian, but uh, but uh, minister to. Uh, a lot of the patrons, many of whom are uh, are homeless and uh, and suffering from mental health issues. Yeah, I'm wondering how you go about embodying a character. What, what's your process to become someone else that you know can often be very different to yourself? Well, I, I would say in this instance, it was it was um, when you're writing a character that you are in, intending to play. Mm. Uh, that that certainly makes it easier. Mm. Uh, an interesting thing happened on on this uh, film. Uh, there was a there's a book. It's a it's a, a a photographic essay of libraries across the country, and it was put together by uh, a photographer called uh, Richard Dawson. Mm. And uh, he and his son traveled across America, and they they photographed the libraries, uh, small and large. And uh, and, and then it, it, it the photos were accompanied by uh, uh, essays written. I think the forward is by Bill Moyers. Uh, Chip Ward is is uh, included, and then there's a piece by former San Francisco librarian uh, Luis Herrera. Hmm. And Luis talked about a man who was struggling uh, in his life, was illiterate, and uh, with the help of the San Francisco Public Library, he he uh, connected to a, an adult tutor who taught him how to read, and there he was at 44 years old, uh, reading a book from cover to f- cover for, for the first time in his life. Wow. And so w- w- the, the character of Stuart that I play in the film was a very different sort of guy than ultimately how he appears. And, and I would mm. say that that piece that was shared by by your city librarian uh, mm. was it, it, it greatly informed the the direction of of this character, mm. and uh, and and we really made a left turn from from where the character appeared in, in early drafts of the screenplay. Mm, interesting. But but to play a librarian and to play one effectively, of course, you have to spend time in libraries, mm. and uh, I was uh, given an opportunity to really see what happens not only in in, in the stacks, but uh, at, in the closed stacks and, you know, with administrative uh, staff and mm. in areas of the public uh, of the library that the that the public don't have access to. And that was in a large measure by uh, some friends of mine uh, who uh, are librarians at the downtown branch of uh, here in, in Los Angeles. Mm. And once they I think once they understood that I was very serious about 
uh, the mission of getting this film made and and, of, and certainly getting it right because this is a, a vocation that I that's been stereotyped uh, more often than not mm. depicted in, in in film and TV and which is not much and not often but no. uh, it has been it's been stereotyped and I wanted to make sure that we we didn't fall in into any of those and and I think that once like I said once they realized that I was serious about getting it right uh, they uh, in in turn gave me a, a full access mm. One of the things the film does really well is evoke the character of the library as um, more than a repository for books, that it's a cultural and intellectual experience, a community centre, a place where people come together who may not otherwise associate with one another. And um, what inspired you to to put the public library right at the centre of a film? Well, I I believe that... that more often than not, the, the, un, unless you're a, a, a frequent patron or you're a librarian yourself, uh, most people regard the the library as uh, superfluous. Mm. Uh, in fact, there was an uh, article recently posted by Forbes uh, that had uh, that, that was posted to Twitter, and, and I think three days later it had to be taken down because of the outrage. But the but the but the essay uh, talked about how now that we have Amazon and Google, wh- why the hell do we need libraries? And of course, you know, he was, like I said, he was shouted down <laughs> within three days. Uh, and and, and there, I, I believe Forbes issued an apology. So, and, and of course, this was written by somebody who probably has not set foot in the library in 20 years. Right. Who has not, ha, has uh, three of, uh, or, or more mobile devices and, and, uh, and access to a, a computer, probably a laptop that he takes at home at night and maybe one that, that, that he's got at, at, his, at his workplace so, you know, isn't uh, I, I think that that is sort of the the dividing line, and and it really comes down to class and and your access to information based on your access to those devices. Yeah. And many of many of the the people who who utilize libraries uh, depend on. Uh, the library's computers to go on and uh, online and write to family members, look for a job, look for housing, uh, research papers, or get a GED. So what the library offers to those of, of, of not only marginalized but students who are struggling, um, it, it offers a, a wide array yeah. of services that, again, we uh, most people take for granted. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson in 1809 wrote, I have often thought that nothing would do more extensive good at small expense than the establishment of a small circulating library in every county. And right. The original purpose of libraries was to bring literature and knowledge to the masses, regardless of socioeconomic standing. And I think, you know, libraries today, as you're mentioning, you know, they have a lot of different functions. But do you think the you know bringing sort of literature and knowledge to everybody regardless of where they are in society is that still an important purpose of libraries today do you think well i do and you look at any successful community that has that has embraced open source uh, as as an example uh you know there's a book that was uh, that was published a couple of years ago called the 25 smartest cities in the world and all of them had in common was the fact that they were open source. So if you consider the library as an open source uh, uh, resource mm. uh, and that is that is not only uh, accessible to all, but is free for all, uh, then you understand how valuable they are. I mean, Anne Lamott, the, the uh, activist and, and author, writes that um, uh, communities without libraries are like radios without batteries. Mm. And... Yeah. Um, and, and that is that is exactly spot on. Have yeah. you read her book, Almost Everything? I haven't actually. No, I'm going to make it's a note worth of picking that. Up. She's just, <laughs> you know, she's, a, she's been an inspiration. Uh, there's a lot of Bay Area uh, uh, inspiration uh, that I've, yeah, that I yeah I saw Rebecca Solnit. Yeah, and Anne Lamott and <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I've read um, Rebecca Solnit. She's very inspiring. Yeah, but I've I've written that down now. Almost everything. <laughs> yeah, it's her newest book. Uh-huh. And you know she was also uh, accredited almost uh, solely with saving the uh, the John Steinbeck Library uh, in uh, in Salinas. Oh, 
Wow. The Steinbeck Library, along with the, the Cesar Chavez Library, and then a third library were in, were in the process of being shut down because of budget cuts. Yeah. She yeah. staged a reading of The Grapes of Wrath. Hmm. Uh, continuous. I think they read it over a period of like 20 hours, and, and they traded off um, certain various uh, personalities, celebrities came out and read a chapter mm. it off, and uh, the, the libraries at the end were, were indeed saved. Hmm. And of note, uh, this year is going to be the 80th anniversary of Grapes of Wrath. Oh, wow. It's publication April 14th, 1939. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. The central event of the public is the plight of a group of homeless library patrons who have nowhere to go on one of the most bitterly cold nights of the year. And we, we frequently, you know, it's part of the, the sort of narrative to talk about the homeless and homelessness, but not so much about what home actually means. And we tend to think of it as shelter, particularly in this context. And obviously that's vital. But home is so much more than that, which is, is something I feel the public explores really interestingly when you were writing it, were you thinking about the different aspects of home? Well, I, I think that you have to look at what home means. And for some people, uh, it, it's a place. And for others, it's, it's a shelter. Uh, for somebody who, who is on the street, uh, it is, it, it, it's, it's about possibilities. Yeah. And I think that while it's, it, it may be impossible to get every human being experiencing homelessness off of the street and into uh, a permanent supportive housing, that may be a pipe dream. It's certainly, a, it's certainly aspirational, and, I, and I, I believe that we need to get to that. Mm. But, and, and, but I believe that there are numbers that support that, and, that, and, and, and here's one that's, that's pretty staggering in that when someone is experiencing homelessness and on the street, the emergency services, or EA, emergency assistance, for that individual – Mm. roughly runs, in the state of California anyway, roughly runs about $68,000. Yeah. When you house that same individual, that cost goes down to 15000 per year. Yeah. So, and those, and those, those costs are, are, are um, we end up being responsible for them. Yes. So we are, in fact, our brother's keeper, whether they're on the street or whether they have a roof over their heads. So... You know, let's get to, let's get, let's, let, let's, you know, it's not just about universal health care. It's about universal housing. Yes. Let's yeah. Get to that because you can't get healthy unless you have a roof over your head. Yeah. Yeah. The film deals very powerfully with how we create the other in society and, and dehumanize certain people. And I, I've done a show on homelessness and and one homeless woman I interviewed said that one of the worst aspects was how people shunned her on the street she said mm -hmm. one day she left her backpack somewhere and the way she was treated was completely different because people didn't think she was homeless people people were making eye contact with her they weren't moving their children away from her they weren't trying to avoid her um, so for homeless people there's a decimating kind of ongoing effect on their self-worth was human dignity something that you wanted to address in the film absolutely uh there is a bias i think that certain people bring to the table when they look at somebody who's experiencing homelessness uh they assign a story for how that may have individual uh, mm. this uh shameful place and i say shameful with with air quotes yes uh it, it it's that it's in a, a series of unfortunate events uh however we don't know. We don't know the history of that person. We don't know how they arrived there. No. So how do we get past the place of bringing a certain bias that this is something that that person deserves, quote unquote, yeah. uh, that uh, based on a, a series of poor choices? Yeah. And, and I think that bringing dignity to it, because, again, we don't know. Yeah. Well, I think um, when I was doing the show on homelessness and researching it, the most common cause of homelessness is losing your job. So, you know, that is something in this in, you know, current economic environment that potentially could happen to anybody. You That's, know. Right. That's right. Here's another staggering statistic that that 11 percent of California college students are homeless. Goodness. Wow. 11 percent are living in a car or on a friend's couch or but are, have no place to call their 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 home that's a, that's a staggering number yeah that's awful and, and i mean also incredible that they could
be at college and making that work I mean I can't imagine the what you'd have to draw on within yourself to actually be able to do that yeah it's... no to just be in 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 your in basic survival mode yeah. and then and then be tasked with with as you said trying to educate yourself and get to the next level yeah the public is an extremely engaging film and all the characters have have stayed with me which really says something because there's quite a, a range of them from the different homeless people library staff the police media politicians I'm wondering how important was it to you to present complexity in the characters regardless of, of which side of the issues they're on in the film sure I mean I it's yeah, I, I wanted there to be a balance I wanted audiences to come away from the experience of seeing the film and 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 come down on the side of humanity rather than choose a side yeah um because law enforcement there they, they it, it's it's not always uh, it's not always black and white for them uh you know what christian slater has a has a line in the film where he says uh, no matter how this thing ends we're going to look like the bad guys yeah, uh, and he's talking to Alec Baldwin, who's in charge of the of, of the negotiating with them, you know, with with the folks at the lockdown. So they know how how this is going to be spun. They know how it's going to look ultimately. Mm. The people inside, the, the the homeless patrons, are used to being criminalized, so they understand how this is going down. Mm. Uh, the media is is depicted, of course, as a, 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 you know somewhat of a villain, um, but that is not. I didn't invent that. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I didn't invent it, and so um, you know it, it's ratings first, and uh, yeah. this is why we found ourselves in the predicament that we're currently in politically. Yeah, because ratings were more important than character. Yeah, absolutely, and and I I think from my perspective, you know the reason that the characters have stayed with me is because I don't want to, you know, give too much away or anything away, but, you know, various people in the film have um, conflicts, you know, and, and they are multifaceted. And I think that makes them really real. And I, I do think it's a real um, credit to your writing that um, even though there are a lot of different characters, that, that the way they're drawn, you really um, get a sense of them as, as rounded people and that you know life is rarely black and white you know that, that that there are um different aspects to to all of us and and i think you know that make, makes the characters really really stay with you um well, i wanted to try to personalize it for each one of them and, and create a conflict and and, and a dilemma that the, this was not a, a problem that was going to be easily solved by policy or by by some resolution uh, that this was a, a, a bigger issue, and that the real villain here is is the and, and the real crimes being committed here are crimes that are that are perpetrated by institutions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that is when he finally, towards the end of the film, when he quotes uh, uh, "Grapes of Wrath," you know, he says there is a, there is a failure here that trumps all of our success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great line. I mean, he was, he's probably more relevant now than when the book was, was published 80 years ago. Uh, you know, we're seeing Hoovervilles once again, uh, littered across the nation. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's true. You're listening to It's a Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copeland, and my special guest from the arts this week, actor, director, and writer, Emilio Estevez. We're going to a break, but we'll be back soon with more conversation after these messages. Ciao, I'm Luca from Tramonti at 528 Seabright Avenue, steps from the ocean. We are the authentic Italian pizza and pasta restaurant, serving also organic salad and house-made dessert in a friendly family-style atmosphere, indoor or on our lovely patio. Tramonti is open every day, Monday through Friday, from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., happy hour from 4 to 6. Saturdays and Sunday, we open at 11, and we also serve brunch. We bake our bread and prep our fresh pasta and pizza daily. 
We want to say grazie to the Santa Cruz community for supporting us since 2012. Allora, buon appetito. Visit Tremonti at 528 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz. That's Tremonti at 528 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz. And follow Tremonti Santa Cruz on Instagram. It's wonderful, that's wonderful. Can you imagine living without stress, anxiety, or fear? And can you imagine a life filled with harmony and inner peace? Is that even possible? The Ananda Yoga and Meditation Center in Scotts Valley offers simple tools to help you become more effective at work and more centered in the face of life's challenges. At Ananda, we offer yoga classes for everybody, inspiring workshops, devotional chanting, and Sunday services based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Our teachers and therapists are highly trained professionals who work together to inspire a healthier you. And your first Ananda yoga class is always free. Visit us at anandascottsvalley.org or call 338-YOGA. That's anandascottsvalley.org or 338-YOGA. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Question of Balance with me, Ruth Copeland, and my special arts guest, Emilio Estevez. Before the break, we've been talking about your film, The Public, and the film has a wonderful ensemble cast. It, it must have been great to get such a talented group of actors together. <laughs> well, I, you, you are really only measured by the, uh, by the people you surround yourself with. A, a president is measured by the... the, the the, uh, the 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 brain trust of his cabinet. Mm. And, uh, I think a director, in in a similar fashion, is is, is the CEO, and uh, you're only really as good as the people you surround yourself with. So I was not only surrounded by a terrific uh, a group of technicians. I mean, my cinematographer is a Spanish uh, DP called Juan Miasbris, and he uh, he he and I worked together on The Way, uh, which is a film I shot in Spain. Uh, I had a great costumer. Christopher Lawrence, a great uh, production designer, Dave Bomba. These are people all at the at the top of their game who don't need to work for, for the peanuts that I pay them. <laughs> Which, <laughs> when you're making independent films, and and you know this certainly was every bit uh, as independent as you can imagine. We shot the film in 22 days, and so you mentioned the cast, and and that was really the the, the big. Um, the issue was, you know, creating the the illusion that everyone was there at the same time, in in the same room, mm. and and I, I think you know we're we're fortunate enough to have also a very terrific editor named Richard Chu, who you may uh, know he he cut a film called Star Wars, oh. Oscar for. He's also he also cut um, the Conversation and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Risky Business. Oh my goodness! So he was a gentleman that, that I, this is our third time working together, and and an editor that I really lean on. Uh, to help create these, um, uh, you know, this, this seamless effect that uh, that all these actors are are in the same building at the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know, from the audience perspective, it, it, we never think about that. You know, that no, it's a no, testament to the actors, right? You know, who's 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 wildly talented, but also wildly committed to nine other things. <laughs> You've got me on you know, this day and that day, and I can come in for two days in in, in January and four days in February. It's like okay, <laughs> uh, and Alec Baldwin, who's you know, who's was you know, only an hour away in New York, uh, and can come come in for you know, two days here or a, a day and a half there. Uh, it was um, it was a juggling feat. Yeah. I can but imagine. By the same token, it is those actors that that come to play uh, in in the sandbox with me that that, that also give me great uh, credibility. Mm. Uh, and uh, they, you know, once they lend their names to to a film like this, uh, it it raises the level. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are the advantages do you think of presenting? social justice issues such as homelessness and the right of access to knowledge for everybody in a fictional vehicle rather than, say, a documentary? Well, you know, you, I, I'm sure you're aware of the the, uh, the, the documentary Ex Libris mm. um, that was out, the uh, Weissman's documentary that was three and a half hours long that uh, was uh, 
Hold on, my father's asking me to sign a book right now. Okay, and, that's and, right. And we're in the middle of this. I'm in. The, I'm on the radio. <laughs> I'm live on the radio. Yeah, he's. This is so. This is so such self-aggrandizement. Uh, we wrote a book together uh, along the way, and and uh, we're both credited uh, as writers on this. It's called The Journey of Father and Son. And he comes in and he asks me to sign it in the middle of our interview. How dare you? Outrageous. I got a guy out there going to buy it. All right. Um, give, give me okay. You Hold can on. sign it if you want. Right. It's fine. I'm with the, uh, the movie is. Okay, yeah. It's so, the best movie I ever did. Okay, it's a movie called The Way, which I mentioned earlier in the interview. Yeah, with you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know how many times I mentioned it. I believe only once. Not enough, I'm sure. Not enough. Clearly not enough. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, oh, well, you're such an actor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hello. Upstaging you. Part of the interview. He couldn't bear it. Oh, that's funny. So I'm sorry. Where were we? We were talking about. Um, oh, how, presenting um, issues like this in, in a fictional, uh, you know, film rather than say a documentary. And you were talking about Ex Libris. Sure. Well, uh, sure. Uh, the, the, <clears> you know, again, you when you when you are shopping a, a, a story like this and you're you're going from office to office and executive to executive and you're saying I've got this movie and it's about the library and it's going to tackle homeless issues and, and environmental issues and uh, and, and uh, mental illness and, and militarization, militarization of the police and all these other wonderful things that, that yeah you know, that you, and you can imagine there's warm and fuzzy yeah blaze over and there's <laughs> well yeah that's just not can't you just do another hockey movie Emilio yeah so <laughs> so for me it was um, it was important that that the film not only address these issues but also be entertaining and yeah. you've seen it you know that and and you haven't had the benefit of seeing it with a with a large audience no. The movie plays very well. It is it is wildly entertaining and, and maybe more so than anybody expects. It's there's a ton of humor in it and, and again more so than anybody has expected going into the into the experience. And, yeah. and you know, I've test driven the movie now, whether it's at the ALA conference in New Orleans or their midwinter conference in in uh, in Seattle. We screened the film uh, or, or various other places around the country. And you know, predictably, li- librarians like the film. Uh, tough audience initially. I, I was terrified, but but at the end of the day, they've they've embraced it, and um, and are endorsing it. But um, but I think that uh, what every audience will who who who've uh, been exposed to the film, they they will all agree that the film is is wildly entertaining. And some critics have called the film downright manipulative. And so, what movie is it? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I would agree with that. And and I think, I think you know, presenting things in a piece of art um, gives you a way um, to access different parts of people and to get them to think about things in a different way that they wouldn't if the information was presented in a, in a different context, like the news, for instance. You know, I, I think art does have a way of drawing people in and speaking to people. Um, and especially with a visual art, you know, you, you also have a communication that's going on that, that isn't verbal, uh, you know, a lot of it. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think, you know, it's an appealing film on many levels. And I mean, if you come to it with a closed mind and, you know, from one of, you know, a prejudice, then obviously like anything, you're going to see right. what you want to see in it. Yeah. We invite people to leave their bias at the door when they come and see this film. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Preconceived ideas, or you know, again, there are there are a hundred different directors that they could have tackled this this subject matter, and it would have been a hundred different perspectives, and 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 all of them would have been correct. Uh, this is an issue uh, that is that that has to be solved together. And I know it sounds very base when we when I say this, but we all do better when we all do better. And uh, it's you know it, it, it is going to be a collective effort to want to engage and 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 acknowledge the fact that uh, this the issue of homelessness uh, has got to be solved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got to be addressed. Yeah. And and that we are all responsible in in our own way of, of making a difference. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested in the psychologist Alice Miller, who writes at length about how art 
can help people process difficult events, whether these are events they've experienced themselves or events they've witnessed. I'm wondering if you feel art can have a healing effect both on those making art and, and those experiencing it. Well, I don't think that anybody walks the planet trauma-free. I think it's no. a matter of degrees. I think we all carry a certain amount of trauma that, that lives in our in our uh, you know in in in, mm. in the book and volume of of our yeah of our being and so i think that when look i don't have a a lived experience of being on the street mm. and experiencing homelessness but i have screened the film now uh enough times and there have been individuals who have recently gotten into permanent supportive housing who said, man, that movie speaks to me. Uh, it is accurate. Uh, it, it talks about not only the need to get off the street, but also the, the fear of, of once you're in a, a situation, whether it's a shelter or assisted living, mm. uh, or transitional housing, uh, that there is a, um, that there's a fear, that there, there's, there's a, just an institutional fear mm. uh, of, of, being, uh, of being monitored. Yes. Yeah. Or violence occurring in, in inside the shelters, and so. Yeah. Uh, but the movie has has definitely connected uh, with with individuals who who've experienced homelessness, and um, and they they seem to um, they they seem to think it's uh, we're, we're on the right path. Yeah. So, and I think you know also there's there's practical issues that that are represented, but I think like all art the film works on other levels too you know and and a lot of what's being looked at really on a deeper level is about what it means to be human and what it means to be human beings together on this earth that's right yeah yeah um that's right. so you know i think it's very powerful in in that way it seems to me the best art is often the most intensely personal art however it's essential to transcend one's personal story to find greater meaning or you're not creating art i'm wondering how much of yourself you take into your work and how you use that to enrich rather than interfere with what you're producing well since he's walked back into the room i'm going to quote him uh <laughs> he wants his office back that he's often he's, he's, he often says um if if uh, art has to be personal if it's not personal it's impersonal mm. personal then who, who cares yeah yeah is that, is that, yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> <laughs> it's impersonal so uh right so 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 for me again this is this is a picture that i've been working on uh, to to bring to fruition for 12 years Gosh, and, yeah uh, there in, in two years just since we wrapped mm. uh, getting getting it not only finalized in the cutting room but then uh <laughs> but then uh <laughs> but then, jeez, uh, well, way to hijack. Um, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the finding a, the the right distributor and finding the, the right time of the year to go out, and that has been that that has also not been easy. Right. So there are there are obviously as a director and as an actor, there's a lot of easier paths that that I could have mm. taken over the past couple of years. You know, I've only I've only made four movies, five in the last 20-some years. Mm. Uh, and so it, it, it takes its toll, uh, you know, and, and they, they, again, they've not all been <laughs> blockbusters by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, but we've, you know, the, the investors have gotten their, for the most part, gotten their ROI back. And um, yeah. so, um, so I get to do it again. Yeah. And here's hoping that... Uh, enough uh, people put eyeballs on this one and um i'm able to to tackle something else uh next time around yeah won't be another five years <laughs> yeah well it's a, a great film so i'm really hoping uh you know for that too I, I think it's a film that um as you said is very entertaining and also you know you come away from thinking you know it's a very thoughtful film but it, it also is uplifting I think you know it's about difficult issues but it, it's not a you know a downer that there's aspirational um things that that happen that sort of model how things 
could go or how you know I don't want to give stuff away but you know the resolution of it and um, how the homeless people deal with the situation you know it just shows very clearly our choices in in life matter and we do have choices in situations that sometimes it seems there's only one way that can go. Well and and the end of the film as you you just referred uh, reference was that the it, it does end nonviolently. It does, and it is a celebration of, of nonviolent civil mm. disobedience in, in, in the true sense of, of, of what that looks like. Yeah. That means. And, um, you know, I, I will say that the, the end of the film was greatly informed by the, the, the period of time in my father's life where he, where he did take to the streets and he was arrested, I, I believe, it's 66 times. Goodness, yeah. During um, nonviolent um, civil dis- acts of civil disobedience, mm. whether it was at uh, anti-nuclear protests, the you know above ground testing, or in, uh, out in Nevada and Utah, uh, those test sites, whether uh, it was uh, anti-immigration uh, um, uh, uh, policies, yeah, uh, and um, and and homelessness issues, and so clearly none of those issues have gone away. No, uh, but uh, and I used to watch. Uh, my father get arrested on television, and I didn't really understand it. Uh, I, 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 fund- fundamentally, I did, but I didn't. I thought, wow, you know, he's throwing his career away, and he's 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 becoming this this third rail, mm. uh, you know, issue guy, and 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 the the studios are going to frown on this and look at him as a liability. Mm. It wasn't until years later uh, that I really understood it on a spiritual level. Mm. And what he was doing, and why he had to do what he did. I mean, he spoke out. Uh, you know, one of the many, clearly, because there were millions of people around the world. But he spoke out against the the war in Iraq mm. and, and this this fantasy of uh, you know, that Saddam had uh, WMD. Mm. And um, there were a lot of people in his business life, including studio heads and you know corporation uh, corporations that he was working for at the time, said, uh, "Hey, man." You know, step back, get mm. back in your lane, and um, he refused, mm. and it was very costly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, it does. You know, it takes courage to to make a stand in that situation when you do have a lot to lose, and you often do lose some of that. You know, I mean, it's not also always that you stand to lose it things and you don't. You know, it, it, you no. know sometimes there is a real price. For being true to yourself and and having ethics, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. We're coming towards the end of the show now, so just finally, I, I wanted to ask you: um, the world of acting is highly competitive, especially in Hollywood. It, it can be a somewhat distorting environment to, to be in the public eye. It, it's really hard to succeed. It involves a lot of self-promotion. Um, I'm wondering how you've kept your sense of your true self, you know, and whether that's changed o- over time, assuming you have kept your sense of your well, I true have. self. I mean, I think that you don't, you don't open up the, the rags and see in any articles where I'm making a fool of myself. Um, I'm, I'm, I rarely give interviews with the exception of when I have something that I'm specifically promoting. I'm, I'm a, I'm a horrible self promoter. Told <laughs> so by my, by my friends and colleagues who, uh, who have uh, gotten on me about not having a social media uh, presence and 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 I you know again I I I believe that all of those all of those platforms are are wonderful tools um, but I also believe that you know the the when they split the atom they also thought that that was this great scientific <laughs> breakthrough mm. right so yeah did, 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 once once something is weaponized. Uh, it uh, and, and used for ill. Uh, I think that um, there is uh, obviously the, the enormous uh, peril that comes along with that. Yes. And we're seeing that now in, in, yeah. in the world of social media. And, and in many ways, I'm I'm relieved that I'm not out there yeah. promoting myself in the same way that I see a lot of my my uh, friends and colleagues do. Yes. So, yeah. but had I been coming up through the ranks. Uh, as a young actor, I, I, I may have, you know, I may I may have fallen prey to uh, to uh, what's going on now. I mean, uh, you know, in, in in the early '80s, none of this, of course, existed. No. So you were, you know, you were not faced with, you know, whether or not to engage or not. Mm. It was, um, 
you know, this is all this is all such new territory. Yeah, absolutely. I think it may, in fact, come back to haunt and and be used as as a as, as a weapon. Yeah. Um, if it hasn't already. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, I've been in the public eye for so long, uh, and, and by proxy initially because of you know what, the the the. Um, you know, the, the long career that, that my father's had. But then personally, for the last, geez, 30, 35 years, I've been a member of the Screen Actors Guild, I think, for 35 years, mm. 36 years. So, uh, well, I want to congratulate you on, on this film, The Public. Uh, I think it's great. And I just want to remind um, listeners again that it is going to be in cinemas nationally from the 5th of April. And also, if you happen to be in the Bay Area, you can get a sneak screening of it at the Cinequest Film and Creativity Festival in San Jose on March 9th and 10th but the real date to keep in mind is the 5th of April and and checking your local cinemas for for the public. Thanks so much Emilio for talking to me. I appreciate it. It's been been a lovely visit and uh, thank you for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much again to Emilio for taking the time to come on the show and thanks for listening. I look forward to being with you again next time. <laughs>